Alright, what's good y'all? Welcome back to the Cycle 365. I am your host, Simon Villanos, and as you can see, this is not an official episode of the Cycle 365. Starting today, uh, we are pre-recording this on May 20th, 2020. We are starting a mini-series for the summer about youth sports, and this is going to cover a lot of different things, a lot of different topics. We're going to have some special guests, but before I move on, I got somebody who's going to be joining us and who's going to be with us for most of this series. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, uh, so it's Addison Zyke here. I signed on with the cycle, what was it, last last summer, July, yeah. around there. Haven't had any time to get on anything, but um, now I'm here. I'm excited to get started with these podcasts, and uh yeah all right hey glad to have you on finally it's gonna be great all right so we ask every pretty much most of our guests that come on or you know people that will be on for a recurring amount of time these two questions number one what's your favorite sports experience that you're in and then number two what's your favorite sports sports experience that you witnessed so not actually playing but you know watched as a fan so why don't you go ahead and start with your first one all right, so I'll probably touch on the experience I witnessed. It's a little shorter of a story. So um, back when the Avalanche, I'm a big Avalanche guy, big hockey guy. I um, was at one of their playoff games. I think it was 2010, and the game was insane. There was, you know, it was a 0-0 game going into overtime. Uh, the Avalanche goalie had already stopped 50-plus shots, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, and we're sitting, you know, a couple rows up off the ice by the opposing net. And it's in overtime and, you know, a simple play that doesn't look like much is going to come from it. And Ryan O'Reilly comes down to, you know, put some pressure on the defender. And the guy goes to throw the puck behind the net. And it just takes an odd bounce off of O'Reilly's stick and heads straight for the net and squeezes through, you know, a hole probably no bigger than a hamburger or something. And just <laughs> wins the games one nothing for the Avalanche in the playoffs. And so it was just... It, and I, we're sitting at the perfect angle, so it was just one of those things that you didn't believe would have happened, you know, any other time. And right. you know, to be able to see something like that in person at the perfect angle and just watch it squeak through was just—it was amazing. Um, it was actually, I think, my first playoff game I had been to, so that was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's dope. Uh, favorite experience I was involved in—it was um, around the Valentine's Day of 2013. I played in this peewee. Quebec tournament in Quebec City. Basically, I'll probably touch on this later. The Avalanche sponsored us after we won a tournament, and we went out there for about ten days and did a lot of things, from uh, going tubing down a you know a hill in the mountains. You know, saw this world famous ice hotel. Played this cross between like paintball and airsoft with like these rubber balls and whatnot. And we played a bunch of other teams from around the country of both the United States and Canada as well as compete in this tournament and uh, it was just an overall great experience with them they did a great job and it sweetened the deal a little bit that we were able to win the tournament so awesome all right hey perfect so obviously as you could hear Addison here is a pretty big hockey fan this is probably ironically the one well one of the sports on the cycle that I'm not as well versed on so Forgive me if I don't understand any, anything or everything. I'll just ask you about it because you're here. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I <laughs> and got then hopefully you. sometime we could get your brother Justin, who is also a hockey player. So yeah. All right. Without further ado, let's let's get into this thing. So all right, let's do it. First question, which I mean, I think the viewers kind of already know. It's in the name itself, but we should define it anyways. What is youth sports? At least to you, what is youth sports? 
Uh, that's, that's kind of a tough question, but you know, I think age plays a role in it, but even if you take age out of it, um, it's kind of once sports become not just kids getting some exercise and some life experience, but when it becomes a business for someone. So like sure. when college recruiting comes into it or when in some cases like these Texas football teams or something, that's sort of that's sort of a business at high school, you know, so you want to get the best players on the field and stuff like that. So, you know, once it becomes sort of that sort of business mindset in sports, then it kind of shifts its way away from youth sports and kind of becomes a competitive and more mature, um, I guess, thing for kids or young adults to take part in. Yeah, no, for sure. And, I mean, that's not to say that, like, you know, a YMCA, like, league isn't youth sports still, because it still is. It's just not as competitive. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be competitive sports or whatever, but, you know, you don't have a rec league that is a business for most people it's sort of it's sort of just a way for kids to kind of have fun so as soon as it shifts to the business aspect because you get the rec kids and then you get the competitive kids yeah but then as they grow up it turns into you know scouts are showing up at their games and that's no longer just they're not going there just to watch they're going over there to you know make sure their college or whatever is is set for the future for whatever reasons you know what i mean yeah no for sure and there's obviously a bunch of different aspects i think for this series we're gonna i guess cut off youth sports at the age of 19 or 18 so everything below that so okay so like high high school and below okay i got you i got you for the most part i that's i think that's what we'll do because obviously after that legally you know after 18 you're an adult Mm -hmm. i guess yeah i got you so there's a difference between like I guess being in a rec league as a, you know, as a young adult, and then being in a league as a as a child. Yeah. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really important. And youth sports, I mean, obviously it's it's everything, right? It's all different kinds of sports. Like I'm pretty sure every sport has like either a league or an association or an organization of some sort that caters specifically to like to kids. Yeah. Am I wrong? Like, yeah. is there any sport where like you have to be an adult to play? Maybe. Bes- I guess if you count NASCAR as one, but even then... Yeah, and my argument to that would be kind of, you know, if you go over to the European circuit with, like, Formula One and stuff, you get, if you're watching them uh, drive and stuff, some of these kids are starting off um, competitive go-karting and then small stuff, and, you know, these guys that are racing these Formula One cars are, you know, 18 to 21-year-olds, which means they have to start young, and so, you know, even there. um, Other than that, I don't think there's really a sport that, you know... You have to be an adult to play. I mean, of course, you don't see a lot of kids playing racquetball competitively. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. But that's you'll fair. see more adults potentially playing racquetball. But even then, like, if a kid wanted to play racquetball, he could play racquetball. And, Facts. you know, I got a question for you here. Is, right. Do you think youth sports potentially changes depending on the sport you play and how they're set up? Because at least I know from hockey, there's a different path hockey players take compared to you know, a football player or a soccer player just because of the aspect of the sport and the way that they set up development and so forth. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I think every sport is unique in its own way. I think that's pretty... I think that's a pretty natural thing to say, you know, because obviously there are some sports that are more developed than others. Like, American football isn't a sport that's played internationally. Hockey is, though. You know, Mm. even baseball, I mean, I guess... it. It's not really played internationally, like, outside of this hemisphere. Like, I can't think of many European leagues. I don't know. They, maybe it's just not connected. So I know Japan has 
pretty good baseball. Yeah, that sort true. of thing. Yeah, Korea does too. That's mm-hmm. one of the only leagues going on right now. But yeah, I think it's different. Like the structure at every level is so different and diverse, and that's something I really want to explore. And later in the series, we are gonna have, you know, a guest by the name of Kenny Long. He's the voice of Taifa, which for those of you who don't know, and here let me backtrack a little bit. Taifa is the Texas Youth Football Association. It is widely considered to be the most competitive sports league, okay, youth sports league in the nation, arguably. You know, uh, definitely I would say for football. And it was featured on the hit show on Esquire, and it's on Netflix as well, Friday Night Tykes. And so this guy, Kenny Long, he's somebody who's seen it all. He's been with Taifa for, for years now. It's crazy. So he's seen some real talent and some interesting situations at every level i would say yeah yeah for sure it's a good it's a good thing to have him on i think it's gonna open up a whole new aspect because uh what was it what's it uh, what is it that kenny does again so kenny he's the announcer announcer so he, mm-hmm. uh, announcer and radio guys so it's kind of yeah. crazy but this whole youth league has its own like radio station and channel yeah which is crazy oh, yeah. crazy and you know there's so many awesome aspects to sports from the coaching to the kids Facts. to you know the equipment manager to just the people that watch the game and announce it so i think getting a guy like that on and he's been around Taifa for how long how long I, I don't I'd, I'd have to ask him about well, but I know a long long yeah. time for sure at yes. least 10 years at I least 10 say. years yeah so yeah you get 10 years of experience and you see these you know young kids grow up and then commit to these colleges potentially and I'm sure he's got some great stories to tell for sure and we'll hit that another time but you know okay so speaking of the structure of sports Addison why don't you tell us I guess your experience in youth sports, I mean, you are somebody who, uh, here, you'll, you'll have to remind me about it, because, is it juniors? Yeah, juniors, yeah. juniors. Juniors hockey, you're a part of a club, you uh, got to play some international, I mean, you know, teams in Canada still, mm-hmm. and have international teammates as well, and that was a whole experience for you, and you just graduated high school. I did. So, I did. I, I'm sure you got a bunch of, like, I guess, ideas and experiences, but why don't you give us a little bit of experience of, like, how hockey is structured from the youth sports aspect, from your point of view, at least. Yeah, okay, so uh, being in Colorado, uh, we're obviously not in some of the regions that are most popular with hockey. We're kind of an island in the hockey world, and um, most of my experiences have been good. I've been fortunate enough to have really good coaches and teammates from the time I started playing hockey up until now. Um... So a lot of people aren't as fortunate as me, so I'm very, very uh, blessed to have that sort of uh, situation in my life. Um, and hockey, like I mentioned earlier, is a potentially s- structured different than many sports. I'm not aware of many sports that have a s- division, basically, that most kids go to after high school before they go to college. Because, you know, football, most guys come out of high school, right? Yeah, because they have to. Yeah, they come out of high school <laughs> and they go to college. Um Hockey is a little different. It takes a little bit extra development. Um, So usually you start playing this junior level uh, right after high school or kind of while you're in high school, which I did. Um, And it's very high-level hockey, and it's just a way to kind of develop before you make that greater leap to uh, college. Not many people kind of go from high school school hockey straight to college hockey. Uh, So you kind of need that extra development step, and it's... um, it's probably what I would say would be the first um, the first step in hockey, m- maybe second step, something like that. Okay. Um, 
where it's no longer youth sports. Like I know you said you want to talk about eighteen and below, and I'm, you know, yeah. I was eighteen over the course of the season. But um, at this point, it wasn't about making sure everybody gets to play and stuff. You know, there were guys that were out more games than others and you know trades were happening all the time in the league if necessary and you know fans are buying tickets to come to the game so you know if I don't perform or my teammate doesn't perform well enough and then if we do it as a team and we don't do well enough you know it hurts the business it hurts the team it hurts our owners hurts our sponsors so it kind of became a business this year and it was um I hadn't had that experience before. Right, for sure. Um, but it was a welcome one for sure. It made me love the game even more this year. Um, yeah, and as far as international players and teams go, I've played some international teams before in that Quebec tournament I was talking about. Um, and up until this year, the most international, put some air quotes around that, <laughs> okay. um, that I had ever played with some Canadian teams in some tournaments and against some Canadian players. Um, but then this year... We had over half my team was uh, from Europe. We had a couple Russians, some Czechs, some Slovakians, you know, smaller countries. We had a Latvian, stuff like that. And so the experience wasn't just, you know, hockey. You got to learn about different parts of the world and learn new languages. And, you know, one of the funniest things this year was a lot of the guys didn't speak English at the start. So, you know, you go out to a team dinner. And the waitress is asking the guy who doesn't speak English, you know, what he wants to eat. And, you know, you're trying to explain to her he doesn't speak English. um, Or him. Whoever whoever it was, yeah. And then, um, you know, you got to pull up Google Translate and type in, you know, what food do you want? And then they're asking you, you know, what's this, what's that? And uh, sometimes it doesn't translate properly. Right. And so you're sitting there for five minutes trying to get an order from a guy because what makes sense in English makes no sense in, you know, Czech or something like yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Um, but, you know, you all bonded. And even though you couldn't communicate with each other other than through Google Translate, we all had a good time. And, you know, we played football together. Half of the guys never even knew what football was, but right. they just started playing the game because we started throwing a ball around. <laughs> you know, so it was it was a lot of fun that way. So, here, tell me real quick. I mean, I, I don't know if you can say this, but could you shout out your team? Was this a team in Canada? Or? Yeah, so we were in a small town called Bancroft. Um, it's about two and a half hours north of Toronto. Okay. And about two and a half hours west of Ottawa. It's kind of smack dab in the middle. Right. Um, we, were co- we were an expansion team this year. Uh, we were called the Bancroft Rockhounds. <laughs> uh, kind of cool mascot if you if you ask me. I kind of <laughs> liked it. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, and it was just, it was a good experience and... Uh, you know, as far as an expansion team did, is, we exceeded expectations. I, I, I'd say our fans were some of the best in the league. We routinely had one of the biggest crowds um, uh, in the league. I'd say the only teams that potentially rivaled us in fans um, was whenever we went over to the province of Quebec. Uh, those guys are crazy. They had tons of people there uh, for their games. But as far as Ontario goes, I, I'd say we had the most fans on average uh it it was great and especially being in a small town uh they had a hockey team before they missed it so we came in and everyone just enjoyed the games and they were having a a blast and you know you'd be walking down the street and people would recognize you and you know eventually people started knowing your name and stuff like that so that was you know you walk into a place and 
you know, they know who you are. You know, you nice. walk into the the uh, the local uh, restaurant there that everybody goes to, kind of a pub thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you walk in at dinner time or something, and you know, people are looking at you and they're like, "Oh, hey, a good game, you know, this weekend. You know, go get them next weekend, stuff like that." Or, you know, you're walking into the Tim Hortons and you go there so often with your teammates and the boys that you walk in and they just know your orders. Oh, you yeah. just start making your orders and everybody just starts paying. So that was a lot of fun. And then, you know, you get you get close with some of the local kids your age and so you just kind of immerse into the town. And it was just, I was really happy and fortunate for the experience. And I actually, um, I just re-signed back there, hey, there um, a, a, couple <laughs> we- a couple weeks ago. So I'm excited to go back and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, hey, continue to develop. That's that's honestly pretty crazy. And so let me let me get this straight. Were most of y'all like teenagers too, or what was the oldest guy on your team? Like how old? Was uh, he? yeah. So our youngest, uh, the league, I think takes anywhere from sixteen to twenty-one year olds, Damn, okay. uh, which is about what most junior leagues are. It's anywhere sure. from sixteen to twenty-one. Um, obviously, kind of like with any sport at any level. If you're a younger guy, you might not play as much right. because you're more there for the development. And then once you're Develop, then you play a bit more. Um, I think our youngest guy was 17, which was actually most of our Russians. Oh, uh, most okay. of our Russians were Dang. young 17-year-olds. Uh, and then our oldest guy, I think we only had about two of these guys on the team. was about 21. We were a young team. Like, our average age was about 18. Dang, then we had wow. a 21-year-old, a couple 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds, stuff yeah. like that. So, you know, you get a bunch of kids that are at different stages in life. For and sure. they're all coming together in one locker room. And, you know, obviously the older guys kind of take on more of the leadership roles. And they're the kind of the right. bigger guys. So, you know, as a younger guy, you have to learn how to fight against people that, you know, have two, three years of development on you. And, you know, but everybody got along. I can't tell you how many times we, you know, would get to the to the pub. And the drinking age there is a little lower. It's nineteen. It's nineteen in Ontario. Yeah. So you know the guys that could drink would we'd all go to the pub as as it was called. It was just you know that's that was the name of the place. Yeah, it was yeah. the pub. So I don't want to like make it sound like we were just all going there to drink or whatever. But <laughs> the guys that could drink were ordering beers and burgers and stuff, and we'd go watch Monday Night Football as a team. And so you know you got thirty guys just in the in the place together, just having a good old time all night, and you know. The best part was there was no, no clicks or anything. Like yeah. I could, I could have sat down away from any of the Americans, and just had a good old time with anybody. Um, myself, I lived in a house with uh, three other teammates, and um, a billet dad, which is oh. the guy that like whose house we were living in. Right. Um, I, I had my one of my goalie partners. He was French Canadian. Uh, we had the Kazakhstanian in our house, <laughs> and then we had the uh, another uh, Slovakian in our house. So. Just, it was just a blast being around those guys, and you know, you go play Fortnite with them, or yeah, you're, you yeah. we do NHL twenty tournaments. And, but, I mean, y'all you know, are still kids, basically at this point. Yeah, exactly, and I we still all stay in contact, even though right now most of us are back in our cities. Like, right. I, I stay in contact with a guy in Moscow, the Slovakian that lived in my house, the French Canadian, and you know, so you know all these guys, and now you got connections all over the world. And yeah. at eighteen, that's a awesome experience that's oh, yeah. an awesome thing to have see that's that's just insane and you know i still kind of consider juniors like youth sports to a degree because it's you know you still like you said you have kids that are 17 16 18 right so i i would consider it that 
But like for other sports, like that's more, I mean, I don't know. I guess there are some sports where you see some of that too. I would say soccer in some other countries, that's a big one. I think mm. that's pretty similar to hockey structure-wise in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I know like at least the British uh, like Premier League, they have these academies. And I think you can like yeah. start at like four or five and make your way up to the team that's on television every Saturday morning. Oh, yeah. um, the only thing I would say, at least from my perspective, is the reason why I wouldn't consider it youth sports, even though there are 17-year-olds, is... Sure. These are businesses for these guys. Like okay. in some leagues, you get some of these guys that are getting drafted into the NHL right. and stuff like that. So at that point, that's not, to me at least, that's not youth sports. Yeah. If it was a 17-year-old in another sport, you know, sort of thing. Um, but you know, that's that's the fine line, and that's what's great. You know, it's still competitive hockey, still a lot of fun. Some guys go to these smaller junior leagues just to play higher-level hockey and not really plan to advance which is fine and all that so that might be considered youth sports but like there's a little gray area but i think that gray area allows for discussions like this you know what i mean and you can see this sort of this sort of thing take place oh yeah no there's there's no doubt about it you know and okay that makes sense you know it is a little bit more of a business yeah exactly i I would say youth sports builds up to that and that's kind of the bridge Mm -hmm. between i would say youth sports and then maybe collegiate Slash semi-pro slash pro sports mm-hmm. leagues, I would say. Yeah, and so that might make hockey a little easier to define. Yeah. Um, probably a little tougher for football because at what point do you draw the line between youth sports at high school and, you know, competitive sports? For sure. You know. And that's, see, that's that's a tough one. I would probably say, I mean, this is just what everyone's been doing since, I would say after high school. Yeah, so after high school, like, that's, that's it. Because after that, I mean, there's sadly not as much opportunities to develop mm-hmm. like you were saying you know because it is a sport that's not very like you know there are some there are international pockets all around the world yeah. you know it varies but it's not like worldwide like like hockey or soccer yeah and you know i've taught i've touched on this with you before yeah. uh, just in casual conversation and it's something i'd like to discuss further uh, probably not on this mini series obviously but okay. um you know i think something like that extra step after high school for a lot of sports would potentially solve uh, some injuries, um, you know, because you get that 18-year-old coming out of high school sure. that's now going to play against that, you know, you know, um, just like those collegiate guys. guys. Like imagine, yeah. uh, is it Saquon, Saquon Barkley? Yes. Yeah, Saquon. Saqu- imagine him playing against, you know, some of the high schoolers at maybe Liberty High School here. <laughs> like, you, 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 that 18-year-old kid that might be a tank at the high school division, imagine him playing Saquon Barkley when he was in high school or oh, yeah. even in college. Like, so, you know, if you give that extra year or two of development for these football players, soccer players or whatever, get a little bigger, get a little stronger, see the game a little better, you might see maybe some more advancements. You might see... A little less injuries, sure. yeah. smarter players, and which potentially at the higher level could create just better sports, more entertaining yeah. to watch, more fast-paced, more, you know, just everything. Hey, no doubt about it. But I, I agree. I'm not a football guy, so that might hurt, <laughs> that might hurt football a little bit. But um, I think it works. I think it works really well for hockey, and I think it might be something to explore later. Yeah, um, I mean, we could talk about that right now because I think that definitely relates to youth sports because, in my opinion, because there aren't as many opportunities like after high between high school and college to like you know just learn as a pro and learn yeah. as like an athlete, and you know don't don't get me wrong, I'm an educator so I value education, but like 
Mm-hmm. That it's still there's still a pretty big gap there, and sure you could redshirt, but that's only one year, you know, and that's yeah. not saying a lot. And so because and you still don't get that game experience yes. as a redshirt, yes. But as a you know that extra year development, even if you're not playing as many games as maybe an older guy, you develop a lot in games. Sure, you learn what works, you learn what doesn't. So, you know, you get to practice a little bit more. You get to come in and. You know, if, if you're at that level and you say, you know what, I got the skill or whatever, I just need to get bigger, you have two years to get to that size, oh, yeah. that ability, that speed you need. And then, you, you know, you might see just, you know, freaks of nature coming into college now. Yeah. Uh, besides the freaks of nature that already come into college. Right, yeah. Like, imagine if every team had a freak of nature. Like, that would just be insane to watch. It would, and the level so, of play would definitely go up as well. Yeah, which in turn, you know, I'm a business-minded person, you know, the revenue would skyrocket, would skyrocket oh. with all that stuff going on. Oh, it'd be incredible to watch. So it'd be interesting to see if something like that happens. Oh, yeah. It yeah. definitely would. And I think because there's not something like that, it definitely puts a lot of pressure on youth sports to get it right, right. There. Mm-hmm. You know, and not just like, you know, teams, but like athletes themselves feel pressure to like, all right, well, if I don't like perform at my peak, and show that I could be something right away, then scouts, they're not going to offer me for college, and that's the only way I could get into the NFL. Like, Yeah. There aren't, because the XFL folded, which was, you know, I guess the next best way of getting into the NFL, mm-hmm. you know, there really aren't many opportunities outside of college to go to the, to go pro. You know, because for, for football, at least, you got to wait three years at least until after high school, right, to, to even be considered to mm-hmm. join a pro NFL squad. That's just the rules. And it's always been like okay, that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, the, and then this is where politics get into it. NCAA, you know, they love their money, but they also think at the same time, if they let a kid go to another, like, you know, developmental league or whatever for two years. Their, their revenue and stuff drops, for oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Because that means that kid only has one more year left, so who's to say that kid doesn't go back to that league for one year instead of paying to go to a college or, or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's definitely something the NCAA, NCAA might be looking to kill because already as is, you know, with this whole coronavirus, they're already suffering, you know? And it's the, the losses are pretty bad, especially for... You know, the teams that aren't Alabama or Michigan, which is a lot. Yeah. You know, so it's that's that whole thing. But anyways, uh, back to youth sports. For football, at least, I know there's definitely a lot of pressure there, and that's why there's a lot of athletes who feel like they have to go to camps. They have to, like, get in all the work they can mm-hmm. right away. And, you know, there's some families that can't, that can't swing that. And even just yes. imagine being a 16-year-old kid, and you say, if I don't have a breakout season – my chances of, you know, potentially going to college for some of these kids yes. are gone. Like, that is that is a lot of, lot of pressure to oh, put yeah. on somebody. Because you're banking your future on a game. Yeah, and, you know, you're a kid. Oh, you're yeah. still 17, 16. You want to go out and you want to have fun with your boys. You want to yeah. go to the movies late night, stuff like that. Like, that's a lot of pressure to put some like sure. on somebody you know that's just and it definitely takes enjoyment out of the sport itself because the sport like almost immediately becomes a business because mm-hmm. it's like well look like i gotta you know i mean you know i gotta i gotta help my brand out by performing on the field that's it you know and if i don't do that then i'm not gonna get on the field anymore i'm not gonna get offers or looks or opportunities yeah yeah you know i 100 percent agree and um i'm sure we could dive into this for a couple more hours here but i'm sure it's gonna come up in a later podcast or something like that so yeah i guess we could we can move on if if you're on board with that yeah for sure 
right. So, like like you just said, we'll you know we'll we'll go into more of our experiences and our opinions on youth sports later on this podcast. This is more of an introductory type of thing to the mini series that we have here. So yeah. All right. But so we're gonna we're gonna move on though. We're gonna just talk you know general positives and negatives in youth sports. You know we'll be pulling from. Our experiences from experiences we've heard from other people. So, mm-hmm. how about let's do this? We'll just go back and forth with uh, let's uh, let's go with negatives first, and then negatives. we'll go into positives. So, okay. I'll I'll start with the negatives of youth sports, and it's kind of where we just left off. You know the the pressure of it. Some kids, you know, they're built for it, but others they're not. And I'll be honest, you know, there are some coaching staffs that don't build up a kid to be ready to handle that pressure, mm-hmm. you know, and they mm-hmm. just kind of expect them to get out there. Yeah, exactly. All. No, you're 100% on point, and, you know, I think that's another negative is you get some um, preference and favoritism because, you know, True. you get some kids that develop late physically, and then you get some kids that are ahead of the gun, yeah. ahead of the jump, whatever the phrase is, I don't know. No, you said it right. Okay, yeah, I did. Okay, yeah, yeah, so, you know, they're ahead of everything, so, you know, you get the favoritism, sure. or, you know, you get the kid that's not developed as much. Um, and so that puts a lot of pressure on a kid that's younger, not as developed or something, or even the kid that is developed. Everybody expects him to be this true phenom or something. And so, you know, what if he just decides he doesn't want to play anymore yeah. or something like that? All of a sudden, you know, is he going to feel like he's letting his family down? Is he going to feel like he's letting his coaches down or his teammates or, you know, anybody who supported him along the way? And then, you know, to kind of go back to the favoritism is like you get some of these kids – that have the potential to be good. Yeah. They're not going to be a superstar, but they can do their job right. All they need is just the some attention. They need some development. They need someone to be by their side. They need someone on their team, you know. And I don't mean like on their team, like physically on their team, but you know, a supporter. Yeah. You know, you're of part of their team. You're part of their group that helps them get somewhere. And then you know, you run into that coach that just says, "These are my guys that I'm going to push. These yeah. are the guys I'm going to develop." Oh yeah. And then you just get left out to. To dry. To dry, basically. And, you know, that's a real shame, you know, especially as a little, you know, a young kid or something like that. That's a lot to deal with. Like, an adult can probably handle that better than a kid can. And, like, that yeah. that does something to you, you know? And For sure. So that's, it discourages them from, like, just being just athletic. Life. Yeah. And just life in general, that's you know, true. if they get... Yeah. If they go into business or, you know, they start working a job and then all of a sudden someone's a favorite or something, you know, how's that going to shake out for them? And... I guess that kind of goes along with politics in sports, too. That's a negative. We can dive into that too long, so I don't even want to go too deep in that because yeah. all this stuff, all the negatives we're talking about can have some ties to that. So what else What else do you see that could be a big negative for these kids? I think another big negative, we kind of already talked about it, but I think youth sports could definitely be something that motivates a kid to, to not be physically active or healthy. And so I'm, I think most of y'all know this who have been listening for a while. If you haven't, welcome. Uh, my <laughs> name is Simon, and I was a PE major. I just graduated two weeks ago, so I will be a PE Congrats. teacher. Thank you. Yeah. I will be a PE teacher pretty soon here. And I've been a coach, and I've coached um, you know, youth sports for a while now. I'm, you know, I'm only 21, but as long as I could possibly coach youth sports legally. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think one thing that happens a lot that not many people really talk about is that like you know sometimes a parent or uh, friends or siblings or whoever 
you know, might force a kid into a sport. Yeah. And they're just not in a good situation, just plain and simple. And that yeah. situation is so traumatic, or not maybe not even traumatic, it's just so, like, bad that they don't ever want to play sports again or, like, be – or work out or be athletic. Or, yeah. Or not even be athletic, just be healthy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and then kind of on the longer portion of that is just, you know, if you're pushing these kids too hard or something, you know, when they're young – they you know they're not used to that level of commitment or something they just get they get burned out you know when the season ends and all of a sudden they're in nine camps and you know in the weight room and all that you know take a break you know relax a little bit enjoy being your age because you'll only be at once sort of thing and you know burnout's a big problem in youth sports and i've seen it in hockey is um you know all these kids have these dreams then they hit a certain level and either due to favoritism or something they just lose their love of their game and something and some people realize at a certain point they go i don't want to do this anymore or just some people just decide you know i had fun and i want to pursue other things or some people just flat out quit not because they don't love the game anymore or something but just because they've had such negative experiences oh yeah that they just go i don't want to deal with this which is real shame and everything and that's why i say i'm very fortunate to have the good experiences i do because you know, in some cases, some kids could have been, you know, dropping out of their sport in middle school because of yeah. whatever happened, you know? Yeah, hey, I, I totally agree. And, you know, I, I definitely believe this. It's my job as a PE teacher to, to get students, you know, into, you know, into being physically active, into sports and whatnot. Because, you know, PE, you don't have that every day. A lot of schools anyways already are already cutting time for it. So, like, there's no way that kid is going to get all the physical activity they, they need, realistically, mm-hmm. in, like, the 30 minutes they have two times a week. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, exactly. And I was going to say injuries are a negative of sports and youth sports in general. Sure. But, honestly, but, I mean, you, it, can get hurt you, can get, you can get hurt doing anything. Right. Most kids get hurt more, you know, climbing a tree in the park than they do playing sports. Yeah. You know, and... I'd say it was a negative if the only people getting injured were sports in sports were young kids. But you sure. look at these athletes in the NFL, soccer, and all this. You know, these guys are getting banged up and they're having horrible injuries. Oh, yeah. You know, so I don't want to say that's a negative, but I think a negative is. I mean, it's definitely a negative to a degree. Yeah, but it's a negative to anything. But yeah, you know, it's sure. not specific to the youth sports. I think a big issue with youth sports is sometimes, you know, like you said, parents are friends or something pushing them into something they don't want to do right. um you know if you have a good supportive uh parent at home that's great you know they'll support you and whatnot but then if you get the if you get the the parent that's pushing you into a sport and you stopped wanting to play years ago you know i, I don't think that's a good message i don't think it's a good thing to have the kid do i'm sure the kid's not enjoying it and you know i think that opens it up to potential injuries you know they don't care as much so they don't learn how to do something properly and then you they get injured or you know they just financially on a family the kid right. wanted to stop two years ago and you're pushing them into it and right. so you know all of a sudden you've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially in some sports like the most expensive sports and stuff like that or just hundreds of dollars or thousands or whatever and you've you know you've just spent that money unnecessarily and maybe the kid yeah. just wanted to use that money to go to Disneyland that's true you know or just I mean? live life or you know pursue anything yeah you know? yeah exactly exactly oh yeah and I think so you brought up injuries too and like you know kids being forced into doing it I think it also goes the other way where you know there are some kids that 
you know, they, they kind of want to do the sport, but it's just, it's like a weird thing where they just don't feel confident enough. And, they're, mm-hmm. and it kind of goes back to like, you know, um, coaches. I don't think I mentioned this, but, you know, coaches, in the, well, you know, I won't say coaches. I would say adults is definitely a negative in youth sports mm-hmm. because one way or another, like sometimes some adults just, you know, they feel like they got to tear down athletes. And especially nowadays, that's really not the way to go because yeah. you, you don't have to do all that. You know, teach them the skill and that's it. Yeah. You know, they'll figure it out. Or even just like the referees. Like most of these right. people that are refing youth sports are high sc- they're, they're my age. They're yeah, looking they're for they're looking for a job. You <laughs> oh, know, yeah. why do I need, you know, a parent screaming at me over a missed call? Like Facts. everybody's gonna miss a call. Yeah, it might not be the best call. Yeah, right. it might not be the right call. But the kids out there trying to make money, you're watching your kid, you know, play a sport, just enjoy it, just relax. Which kind of reminds me to ask you this. Okay, so who do you think should do the coaching? And by, what I mean by that is you get, like, the coach that says something. And then, you know, in the car ride home, you get the parent that's saying, don't listen to your coach. Who okay. should the athlete try and listen to? Because, you know, potentially right. the coach and the dad could have the same level of experience. Who do they listen to? See, here's... Here, let me wrap up the last thought I had real quick. Okay. I'm just, I was just going to say that, you know, that lack of confidence that some kids have, it definitely results in injury. Because if you're not a confident athlete, you're probably more of an injury-prone athlete because you're you're too careful. And it happens, you know. Exactly, it's exactly. Just, it's just one of those things. But um, well, So what you were saying with who should be a coach, I think – see, I think that's, that's tough. Like it's hard to say definitively that a coach should be the only one coaching because there are definitely some coaches who don't. Like they don't, they, they they have a weird approach mm-hmm. to coaching kids. Like they treat them like mini adults. Mm-hmm. And hey, first off, shout out to UNC and my professors, uh, Dr. Krauss, Dr. J. This is for y'all, uh, Dr. Downhower. But big applause, big oh, yeah. applause. But this is something that y'all have always told us that you can't treat kids like they're mini adults because they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, physically yeah. they're not, and mentally they're not. Yeah. So at, and there are a lot of coaches that do that. And, and you're like, saying this is all the way up to age 18. You can't treat yeah, kids yeah, like, no or way. athletes like they're mini adults. Oh, yeah. No, okay, no okay. way. I mean, obviously, once they're young adults, they're young adults. You know, that's that's expected. But mm-hmm. you can't treat them like mini adults. Mini adults, like everything is professional. Everything is a business. And you and you expect them to act like they're they're the patriots. Like, uh, that's uh, not realistic. Especially when there's literally no business aspect. Oh, yes. Yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. Because at, at that point, if you've... If you treat them like mini adults, you're basically putting a lot of unneeded pressure on them. Because then a mm-hmm. kid feels like, well, if I'm not, if I'm not doing my job like as a professional, you know, quote air quotation marks around that, then I'm not worth, you know, being an athlete in the sport. And maybe I should just quit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. And so, yeah, I, it's a shame. So I, I would say the best person to coach a kid is, is someone who probably has more of an educator approach to it i would say Mm -hmm. like wants them to grow competitively that's different you know like you could treat them like many adults if they want to get you know better competitively and if they want to be you know legit the best Mm -hmm. in you know in the nation in the world whatever you know but i think this is just a general thing like a base for most coaches that are just you know coaching wherever in other youth leagues in general Mm -hmm. like you got to kind of take an educator's you know approach to it like you gotta want each kid to get better you gotta build that confidence because i think for a lot of kids confidence is a really big deal mm-hmm. you know some kids just naturally have it and that's cool but you still good, gotta yeah, check good them. on good on them yeah oh yeah yeah exactly yeah. but you want to make sure 
everybody's at like the right level that they yes. need to be at. Yeah. Yes, because it's I mean, hey, it's real easy to to kill a kid's confidence, especially if they screw up. Because usually they know that they did, mm-hmm. because then that's when they start losing the game. Yeah. And that, there you go. And you know, one of the biggest ways that I've seen a change in that is just I've been around all guys teams. I've been around teams and on teams where there's potentially a girl on that team with a bunch of guys. Yeah. Or I've even I went to a academy in Idaho. Uh, shout out Coeur d'Alene Hockey Academy. Yeah, there we go. Um, and they have a girls team. And I would potentially go out there and just skate in the morning if they needed a goalie or something yeah. like that or just to get more ice time. And the difference of the way the girls team was coached and the way they responded to it is completely different than the way the guys responded to As coaching. it should be, I think. Yeah, there's yeah. just there's just something um, that girls do better than guys, and then they're, you know, in the way they respond to things, and then there are things that girls wouldn't respond as well if a, if a coach took a guy's team approach to the team. Sure, Which, yeah. So, you know, you have to learn your players a little bit. You have to learn how they respond to each thing and go from there, and, you know... I think that's a big part of being a coach is you can't you're not just a coach because a lot of kids you know co- their coaches are their mentors yeah so if you get to know them a little bit you get to learn what responds to them you help them not only you know learn how to play the sport and do it better but you teach them more life skills For sure. and how to apply them to sports yeah that's a big thing which I'm, I'll touch on when we get to the positive stuff yeah I got a big thing on that well let's let's talk about that then because I think we've went over a lot of negatives uh let's let's start with that you know um transferable life skills why don't you go ahead and expand yeah on that? okay so uh just life skills especially as you get older and you turn into and you get into the high school level and right. stuff like that you're at a period of time where you're no longer a child sure you're not fully an adult yet you're in a transition period so you not only should learn how to play sports especially as they get more competitive you know you just might your dreams might not a hundred percent get to where you want them to be and right. stuff like that. So you have to learn transfer- transferable life skills and stuff like that. So, you know, you get the coach that teaches you how to be professional, how to be confident without, you know, sounding arrogant, how yes. to how to do a lot of things and do it and transfer it to life, like, you know, work ethic. Yeah. How to not just apply that in your sport but school and work and stuff like that and I've been fortunate to recently start working with the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, goalie coach Steve Briere and um, one of the things we've talked about and I actually have some stuff on that is just the mental side of any sport especially hockey and kind of two things here kind of uh, there's uh, there's certain chemicals obviously that you get you know when you uh, to tr- to be happy. You yeah, know, there's yeah. multiple different ones, and the four main ones we touched touched on were endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, and oxy uh, oxytone. Uh, I think I wrote something wrong, but anyway, you, get, you <laughs> no, know what I'm talking about. We get the point. Yeah, yeah and yeah. you know you get each one a different way. You get endorphins through hard work. So you know if you show up to practice and you work hard, no matter how well you did, you'll probably leave happy. Right. That's the same with everything. If you apply that to life and you work hard, dopamine you get when you accomplish your goals. So if yeah. you go into practice with the goal of I'm gonna work on this, or you wake up in the morning and you say I wanna you know learn how to do this, or you know something like that. Like when you woke up this morning, goal of yours was to record this podcast. Yeah. When you're done, you're gonna be happy. It's done. Um, serotonin you get through um, leadership, whether that's others, 
or you leading or whatever. So if you figure out your leadership style in sports or just in business and work and life and you can lead, you get happy leading a group of people or even just leading yourself. Right, yeah. You know? And then the one I mispronounced, I think I... Is it Oxitoken? I, I know it doesn't sound right. I think but see, I know what it is. I think I was writing. Yeah, I think I was writing it really quick, and I just messed up. That, um, that's fine. That but one. you, yeah, <laughs> look it up. Look yeah, it up. Yeah. I'm sure Google will figure it out for you. And that's my mistake for having it no, so badly fine. spelled. I can't even that's, talk about it. I know what you're talking. But yeah, about, you get yeah. that through human interaction. So yes. just you know, involving people in your life and good people, not the ones that want to tear you down. Right. Yeah. That sort of thing. Um, and then we talked about kind of happiness and enjoyment are the key to everything. If you're not happy in sports, if you're not happy in life, you're not going to be as uh, successful as you want to be. Facts, yeah. And we talked about some other things, but one of the biggest things he's reiterated over all the meetings we've had is kind of like what he calls the formula to uh, power. Okay. You know, so if you learn something, you gain knowledge. Once you get knowledge... You can practice. Once you practice, you gain the skill. Then once you get the skill, you get experience, and with experience comes confidence. Yes. And you can apply that to anything. That's true. And the biggest thing he's always talking about is just the stuff we talk about right now with him is going to um, apply to my life everywhere. And I've already started applying it. And, you know, something he touched on to me, and this can apply to any sport. And it's probably going to hit a lot of people in a weird way, but not every professional athlete wants to win the championship. That's true, though. Some just want to make a living. That's true. Some didn't necessarily get a high school, uh, as good of a college education. They kind of went from high school straight to the, you know, college, and then they were into the pros, you know, something like that. And so, you know, for them, they're riding on their professional career because they got nothing to fall back on. Some people are like, you know. I don't want to win a championship because that's not the key to my happiness. It's not the key to my success. It's not the key to my lifestyle, which, you know, you know, there might be guys in the CFL that don't want to play in the NFL and that might shock a lot of people, but it's paying the bills. They're happy where they're at. They're getting life experience and, you know, with soccer or something or hockey, there's hockey in Europe. Some people want to travel and they just want to go play hockey in Europe. True. What could be better than that? You know, you travel yeah. around Europe, no, you're, make, you're making a living. And, you know, some of these teams pay for your apartment and your car and all that. So, like, you're making money. The team's taking care of you. You might be getting paid less. But when you don't have to worry about rent or something, that makes it a lot easier on you. And then you get to travel around Europe. Oh, yeah. And you get to do that for years. Most people want to do that for a week. That's true. So, you know, just learning life skills in sports, I think, is the biggest positive in youth sports and just sports in general. Yeah, hey, I totally agree. And honestly, those are most of the positives to youth sports, if I'm being honest, life skills, because there's so many things that are transferable. Like, for me personally, perseverance was a big one. Like, I learned from my coaches, like, hey, oh, yeah, shout out to Coach Sterling, damn it, Carpenter <laughs> Middle School. But his thing would always be like, find a way to get it done, find a way to get it done, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And, like, literally, like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, that that 
quote alone. Plus, you know, his name is somewhere painted in the walls of Carpenter Middle School. But Etched like, on a little brick oh, yeah. by some kid. Hey, it's somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere because that was his thing. And, you know, for me, like, I've went through a lot of things in life. And no, no matter how bad things got, it was like, all right, well, find a way to get it done. That's it. Bottom line. And yeah. you will. And you'll have people that will support you. And so, so anyways, yeah, transferable skills, I, I mean, that really hits on a lot of the positives for youth sports Mm -hmm. i mean i guess the only other thing would probably be like it opens up opportunities because first i mean it's youth sports so you get better as an athlete that's Mm -hmm. almost always going to happen if you get the right situation yeah and so i mean already for you we already talked about that you know it opens up opportunities to go elsewhere uh we did talk about you know like traveling as a pro and whatnot and there's nothing wrong with that like some people really are happy just to be like in the Euroleague, like I know guys who are hoopers who play basketball who, you know, just signed some, well, I don't want to say, Euro, I don't think it's Euroleague contracts, but it's still professional basketball contracts overseas. I think I have I have a buddy uh, from UNC, Jordan Davis. He played in Spain this last year. He was, he was awesome. He averaged like 20 points, 10 rebounds. Like it was crazy. He's a freak of nature. And he just signed a really good contract with a team in Israel, Tel Aviv, which is one of the better teams in the world, I mean, you know, outside of the NBA. Yeah, yeah. And so that's huge. And he, I, mean, I know he loves it, traveling and whatnot, and that's such a great experience. I have another guy from UNC as well, Jonah Radabaugh. He, I mean, obviously this COVID-19 stuff kind of threw everything out of whack, but he definitely should be getting a contract from someone soon here. Um, I mean, maybe by the time this thing comes out, he already got one. But yeah. I know he's gonna be happy either way. Like I remember talking to him the last couple of weeks and whatnot, and he was pretty excited to go overseas to play basketball. Like it didn't have to be the NBA for him to be happy. Mm. He knows it's a process. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I think sports teaches you that life is a process mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. and just like sports. And so that's just another transferable skills but i definitely think that youth sports could take you in a lot of different directions honestly yeah for sure and like even at my level you know my team i got worldly experience one cuz i was living in a different country yeah two a lot of the world came to me that's true yeah and a lot of the world came to those guys so you know you hear all these things and you know, especially being American with some Russians on the team, there's the, oh, American-Russia <laughs> rivalry and whatnot. Yeah. But, you know, I got to say, the Russians were some of my best friends on the team. Like, I, probably my best friend on the team, Pavel. He is... Shout out to him. Shout out Pavel <laughs> Roskov. What's up, Pasha? Um, he was, he, he sat right across from me in the locker room. Right. And we just had a blast. And, you know, he's got the thick, thick Russian accent. Like, <laughs> There are multiple different Russian accents. Yeah. Not many people notice that. But Shoot. picture the one you hear in a James Bond movie there or something, go. and that's <laughs> that's him. Yeah. And, you know, you get that. And, like, my best friends on the team weren't even Americans or even Canadians. There you go, yeah. Like, I was talking to one kid through Google Translate for two, two months, basically. That's true, yeah. And so we gained a friendship through not even being able to talk, using hand signals and stuff. Lifelong connections. Yeah, you get best friends and camaraderie. That's another positive to the thing. Like, you go through experiences in sports with kids. Like, when you learn to work together with somebody, and, you know, in football, you grow up with these kids. You're on the same team year after year. Not so much in hockey sometimes, but, you know, you're with these kids sometimes through high school, you know, what better friendship is that? You win championships together. It's special. Mm-hmm. And also, you learn what's important in your life when there you're you when you're in sports. You know, you learn 
I don't even know how to put this, but you can learn what's important in life. Like some people right now during this whole COVID thing, you know, sports is what's important to them. Yeah. And, you know, some things that they were worried about uh, while they were playing sports, they're not even thinking about right now. They just want to get back on the field. Oh, yeah. Or back on the court or whatever. You know, so you learn that sort of thing. Obviously, this one goes without saying, but you learn how to stay fit and you you exercise and stuff like that, which I don't think there's a downside to that. No, never. You know? Yeah, never. Um, And then, you know, you learn business skills sometimes. You learn just skills about how to deal with people if you're fortunate enough to make it to, you know, the college level. You learn how to market yourself. You learn how to play to your strengths. Right. I think there's just... We could go on and on about positives oh, in yeah. sports. And there's and there's so much. And just to reiterate on that business skills thing, like I think especially nowadays, like once a player basically grows up, you know, and you're a young adult now, he or her, how you hold yourself mm-hmm. as an athlete becomes your brand. And in addition to you know how you perform on the field or whatever, as always, yeah. But like. I think that's really your level of, well. I guess, professionalism yes. and what you allow people to see. One hundred percent. Oh yeah, and you know you 100%. got coaches and other athletes who are experienced who could teach you that. Um, not only on you know the professional sports level, but youth sports as well. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Dedication is another big thing. Yes. It teaches you how to stay dedicated to oh, something yeah. for sure. All right, so I think that is about all the time we have for this episode. Next week we'll you know we'll reiterate. We'll talk more about youth sports. This was more of an introduction type of thing. This is our mini series for the uh, for the summer of 2020. You know, hey, it was good having you on. Yeah, thanks. It was great. Uh, oh, <laughs> come on. Woo! It was good to be here. I'm excited to finally get started on some work here. And now that I've graduated high school, I think yeah. I'll be able to, you know, uh, get on more podcasts and maybe do some articles or something about opinions. And you know, we can get this thing rolling. And I I don't know how much sure. hockey stuff you've got going on right now. Um, I know I was kind of... There's not a lot of hockey going on right now. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, I don't know how much over the last year you guys have touched on hockey stuff as much. I mean, a good amount. amount? Okay, yeah. yeah. updates every now and then. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm glad to be a part in those updates, and maybe we can, you know, grow your hockey content out there. And, you know, I'm I'm just a sports fan in general, so I can can always talk about other things. Yeah. yeah, sort I mean, of thing. Just like now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I can always talk about football, not as much as you know, probably you can, but I can, I can give you my perspective on it. And I mean, all perspectives are, are welcome here. I'd say. Yeah, exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. And it's it's great to be here. And so sweet. You know, I'm excited to get back on in the next week. And what I don't know what the next topic is in this mini series. <laughs> we'll get it all figured. But out. I'm all, I'm already jumping the gun here. I want I want to I want to get started on the next one. Get Facts. everything rolling get that content out there oh yeah hey it's gonna be great but yeah hey thanks for rocking with us share this like us give us some love on social media uh be on the lookout for the next episode of the cycle 365 i want to say it's episode 34 because because yeah this totally isn't pre-recorded so yeah check us out peace